You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Good Sunday afternoon. Welcome into Packers Total Access. I'm your host, Clayton Bailey. You can check us out on Packernet.com. You can find me on Twitter at Packers underscore access. Also, if you want to email the show, you can do that by sending an email to Packers Total Access at gmail.com. If you have a question, a comment, or uh, or maybe a topic for a, for a show that you would like covered, that's the best way to get in touch with me directly. Today's show is going to be pretty straightforward, gang. We're going to be doing the self-scout uh, recap of last season, week 9 through 12 with Jacob. And I uh, don't want to take up too much time here on the front side of this podcast. Uh, we're just going to make the podcast all about that. I feel like that's flowing really well. It's going good. There's a lot of information there. love getting Jacob's insight from his perspective. And also, you guys have given us great feedback on uh, on you know my perspective and, and what I think is important as far as uh, what it takes to uh, to win the ball game. You know what's what's important. Those crucial moments, uh, things like that. Things that you really wouldn't you know think about otherwise. You got to kind of look outside of the box a little bit, right? Um, you know, I, I'm a big studier of uh, Pat Kerwin, Pat Kerwin, Bill Belichick, um, Bill Walsh, uh, even a little bit of Al Davis and some of the books I've read. And how they looked at the game and, and those key components to what goes in to, uh, you know, uh, a team winning or losing, right? So, with that being said, that's going to be the majority of the show. But before we have Jacob come in, I did want to touch on something real quick about our giveaway. Um, if you guys don't don't know, we're doing a, uh, a Packers-Rams Monday Night Football giveaway. So, basically, it's a one indoor club seat for the Monday Night Football matchup there at Lambeau Field between the Green Bay Packers and the uh, L.A. Rams, the defending champion L.A. Rams. And really all you got to do to enter that contest, guys, is if you'll go to my Twitter account, at Packers underscore access, uh, you'll see a pinned tweet at the top talking about the giveaway. All you have to do is follow the account and retweet that. So basically when we go to pick the entries, um, I know it's a little redundant, but I need to repeat this because we've got new listeners every week. Um, so when you when you click on the tweet, or w- when I go to set up the sweepstakes, right, when I go to pick the winner, I'm going to simply go to that Twitter account, and I'm going to look at who retweeted it. I'm going to confirm that they are following the account, and that will enter you into the contest one time, okay? Um, that ticket is worth $450. I paid for that out of pocket uh, to do a little giveaway uh, here for the show, for the fans, and, and get a little bit of uh, a little bit more following on Twitter. And kind of just get the word out that, hey, we are doing a podcast three times a week. And uh, we may go to more than that here in the future, but we, uh, we're we really excited about stepping into the regular season. But that was the whole kind of purpose of the contest. Now, along the way, there was a GoFundMe that Ryan was helping promote uh, for Drew, who was looking to get a seizure service dog. If you guys don't know, um, click on that Twitter account. You'll see that GoFundMe right there. Here's how you can enter yourself into the contest multiple times, okay? Um, basically, what you want to do is go to that GoFundMe and you want to donate $5. Okay, if you donate $5, that puts you in the contest one additional time. Now, for every other $5 that you donate, it'll put you in an additional entry. Okay, so if you donate $10, you're going to be entered twice, not including the retweet that you did on the Twitter account. Now, here's what's really cool. Since we started doing this a couple weeks ago, the GoFundMe took off right? He had a goal, I believe, and, and I may be misquoting here. Um, I, I, Drew handles that. Ryan's helped organize it somewhat. Um, Ryan was the one who informed me about it, but I'm pretty sure the overall goal was $7,500, okay? I don't want to mislead anybody in any way. That's the whole purpose of me taking a few minutes to kind of outline this for you guys, and Drew completely agrees. Um, because of you awesome people, um, donate, not just because the contest, there was many people donating before. There's probably many people that donated just because they heard the show and they don't, they could care less about the ticket. Right. Um, but we want to say, thank you. We have hit that goal, which is awesome. Now here's the dilemma I'm in. Okay. Um, we wasn't sure if this would help push it over the top that quick. Well, it did. Right. And, uh, now we have people that are still wanting to enter the contest 
and we want them to be allowed to do that. Now, after talking to Drew, um, we had debated on raising that goal because there's a lot of other fees that go along with it. He And he was blown away. He was like, Clayton, I never imagined that I would hit the $7,500 goal, but I've got the training fees and other things that I need to take care of. Again, I don't know all the details. If you have questions, feel free to ask him. He's uh, very good at communicating on Twitter. Um, but I mentioned that because we're going to keep that GoFundMe open. We're not going to raise the goal to the best of my knowledge. It's going to stay at 7,500, but we're going to blow past 7,500. And it's not to, uh, not to help uh, necessarily get those extra funds for the training and things, but it's just, we don't want to cut people off of this contest because you guys have been awesome. And there's somebody listening to the show right now for the first time who's going, gosh, I wish I'd have got in on that contest. We still want you to be able to, okay. And understand that that money, that additional money is going to go to helping Drew, um, with the training and, and the other, uh, I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of bells and whistles and hoops you got to jump through when it comes to stuff like that. So just understand not a penny of that goes to me. Every bit of it will go to Drew and his seizure service dog, even though we've hit the goal. Now, uh, again, if you were going to donate just to simply help out and it's cool that you got a chance to win a ticket, I would say don't donate anymore, you know, because we have kind of hit that goal. But I didn't want to screw anyone out of the opportunity uh, for that. So you can continue to go. I know it's it's still going to go to a great cause there in helping him with that transition and stuff. So I just think it's awesome, man. You guys, you guys kick A-double-S is all I got to say. I mean, the fact that we knocked that out so quick, right? And Ryan kind of led the charge. I, I kind of come in at the at the end and, and uh, you know, sop the rest up with a biscuit, right? The, the gravy. <laughs> um, I don't want to take too much credit at all because Ryan was the reason that I learned about it. And I definitely appreciate him just taking the time. It's why it's so important to take a few minutes and see if there's something that's on your heart that you want to help with, maybe something, maybe a cause, rather than complaining on Twitter about, well, I wish this would change, do a little bit of Google research and go, hey, I can actually make a difference with my time and my money in something that's that's special to me. Um, that's what I love about our network is uh, we're going to continue to do this. And, and I was talking to Ryan on the phone yesterday. There's going to be other giveaways, and we're going to gear it around things like this where we're actually making a difference. It's just a win-win for everybody. You're donating to a great cause, and you have an opportunity to uh, to win a, a ticket or a piece of merchandise, whatever it might be. So with that being said, I hate to bore you with those details, but I felt it's very, very, very important to uh, keep you guys up to date on we've hit that goal. We're going to blow past it now, and we want you guys to still have the opportunity to enter the contest. Uh, as of right now, I'm planning on taking those entries, those additional entries, until August 5th when we uh, announce the winner. Okay, so I just want to be upfront about that now. Not to say that that may not change. We'll see. If it does, then I'll let you guys know as soon as possible on the show, on Twitter, what have you. If you have any uh, any other questions about it, feel free to uh, email me as well. But when it comes to emailing, too, if you want to enter into the contest, it's a little bit more legwork. I, I think I've kept up with it fairly well. It's, a, it's much easier just to go on Twitter and do that. I was telling people that you could email the show and we could, uh, you know, enter you that way. And what I was having to do is screenshot the email, save it in a separate uh, photo album. Then I was going to go in or a, a gallery album on my phone. Then I was going to go in later, compile that list. And when we do the drawing, basically it's going to be a number generated drawing. Okay, so your your name's going to have a number attached to it randomly, and then we're going to do a random drawing. So if someone, I think somebody donated five hundred dollars, guys. I mean, you're talking about a hundred entries into that contest. I mean, they're, they're going to have 100 numbers represented in that drawing. Good, really good chance they're going to win that ticket. And it's obvious that the ticket valued at $450, they could care less about uh, the ticket itself. They just wanted to help Drew, which is really, really cool. So uh, with that being said, let's waste no more time. I'm going to take a, a quick, quick commercial break, and then we're going to have Jacob come in. We're going to dive into Weeks 9 through 12 recap, self-scout. Let's see what the Packers did good. Let's see what they did bad, and let's see if we can maybe find one or two things that we think Coach Matt LaFleur and his, uh, his uh, coaching staff is going to really, really try to attack here with training camp coming up right around the corner. So first, let's pay some bills, take a quick commercial break. All right, now it's time to welcome in our good buddy, Jacob, from Packernet Podcast. Jacob, man, what's going on on this Sunday afternoon for you, bro? Man, I have a day off, so it's amazing. And it's it's nice. It's like 70 degrees here in Wisconsin. It's beautiful. Oh, lucky dog, dude. It's been so hot down here. We hit last week, we hit a little bit of a drought, and it was in the 90s, mid-90s. And I'm telling you, I about roasted, dude. I, I about roasted. We, we've got that thermostat set here at the house at about 64. So I go from literally, I can't breathe outside. 
to walking into the Arctic Circle. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> so, but it's all good though, man. It's uh, it's summertime, which means falls right around the corner, right? Yes, sir. All right. Well, let's do this, man. Let's just go ahead and uh, and jump right into this uh, this four game saturation here um, of our uh, uh, 2021 recap. Obviously, a self scouting approach to kind of seeing what the Packers did did good, did bad, and uh, and maybe we can pick up on some things that that Coach Lafleur might be looking to improve upon going into this training camp. So, with that being said, the first game we're going to cover is is one of the toughest, right? It's uh, it's yeah. Week Nine at the Chiefs. Obviously, this was a 13-7 to loss for the Green Bay Packers on the road. But more notably, this was uh, Jordan Love's first game as the starting quarterback for the Green Bay Packers. Now, the reason I don't put too much stock into this performance, Jacob, is because obviously he didn't have a full week to prepare with the COVID protocol kind of striking um, Aaron. And even then, you know, you, the entire season he's taken backup reps. He's taken limited reps with the starting players, obviously, uh, probably minimum to none. And there's not much chemistry there as much as we hear that word when it comes to Aaron Rodgers and his receivers. So we hear that at nauseum. But uh, uh, I, I didn't put too much stock in his performance. I know from the from the outside or just uh, I should say on the surface when I looked at it, man, I said, man, he, he outperformed Patrick Mahomes in this game, which it wasn't a testament to Jordan Love by no means after looking at the numbers a little bit closer. It was more to our defense kind of holding Kansas City in check. And obviously Kansas City's defense had kind of come on strong at that point. But with that being said, the uh, the Kansas City Chiefs won 13 to 7. When it comes to the middle eight, Kansas City won the middle eight six to nothing. They also won the turnover turnover differential two to nothing. And uh, they're we're still at a hundred percent success rate when those two uh, you know parameters are met by the winning team, right? Um, as far as uh, positives and negatives on offense for the Green Bay Packers, the positive, according to PFF, was their run blocking grade was really, really strong, right? The rim, run blocking grade here came in at a, uh, let's see, a 77.2, which is really good. But on the negative aspect was the passing grade. And this is where you look at Jordan Love. The passing grade for the team was 29.2. That's abysmal. Right. And on the surface, I seen it and said, I didn't think he did too bad. But obviously, PFF grading every single play, multiple people grading those plays, they seem a little bit different. Right. This ain't going to turn into a Jordan Love bash fest. It is what it is. It was a short week, a guy who had limited playing time. And uh, I think it was cool for him to be kind of thrown into the fire there on the road. Now, on defense, the positive was tackling, uh, the uh, Packers tackling grade um, came in at a 78.8. And then rush defense, was uh, was down a little bit, obviously, to 57.3. So the story of the game for me was um, backup quarterback really struggled and they turned the ball over too much. How did you see this game, man? Yeah, I mean, that's basically how it boils down. I mean, honestly, when you stop and look at the the numbers and all that kind of stuff, it, it is a little bit surprising. We, we beat them by total yardage, 301 to 237. Uh, we beat them in first downs. We beat them in time of possession. And, you know, those are, again, I always look at those key factors, penalties, turnovers, time of possession. This is a, a bit of a, one of those anomaly games. Love seemed to kind of heat up as the game went on. I believe that he had his best series or a few series at the very end of the game there. I think he had his like, yeah, yeah. He had one drive where he had seven consecutive passes that he completed. He had that late touchdown to Lazard. So he was starting to come around. And, um, you know, I, I would have liked to see what would have happened if we had another two minutes left in that game. I mean, I know you know, he kind of ended up, you know, wet in the bed again, but it, it just, it started to see like we were starting to see something from him. And again, Patrick Mahomes did not look great. I'm not saying that this had anything to do with, you know, love or how he played, but I mean, Mahomes did not look sharp. His quarterback rating was 42.2. I mean, <laughs> I mean don't get me wrong. Jordan loves was 27.9. Right. Uh, love had five rushing attempts for 23 yards, 23 yards. And uh, Mahomes had two for negative two. I mean, so and a big thing that I think people don't remember, uh, Preston Smith, again, had to miss this game. And I know our defense maybe maybe graded out well, but Rashawn Gary, I mean, he was non-existent in this game. Obviously, Preston didn't play. Uh, what was really interesting to me was that Devontae, man, he still got his targets from love. He had 14 targets. The next highest was, I believe, yeah, Cobb with five. Um, so, And then Devontae only ended up with you know six catches for 42 yards. Tyreek Hill, again, was targeted very heavily as well with 11, only caught four balls for 37 yards both guys had no touchdowns it was just one of those weird games again i think if we have a few more you know a few more shots at it i think it was gonna probably turn our way i mean this was the first time that rogers has missed a game since the 2017 season so honestly i was 
obviously mad that we lost the game. I was hurt. We lost the game, all that. But at the end of the night, I was just like, I can't be mad at love for what he did. Um, I, I really think that if we would have had a better performance from the edge players, if Preston would have played, if Gary would have showed up, I think that really, really would have switched the way that the, the end of the game, um, you know, turned out. And uh, another thing real quick, the special teams. That's why we lost this game. We, yeah. It wasn't Jordan Love. I mean, Mason Absolutely. Crosby yanked a 40-yard field goal in the first quarter. He had a 37-yarder blocked in the second quarter. And then when the, the Packers punted, uh, I believe, yeah, one of the own one of our own players ran down the field and kicked the ball basically, which then gave them, you know, is <laughs> a circus shot, fi- <laughs> shot field goal. And then they did the same thing. Amari Rogers ended up muffing a punt later on in the game. And again, that's probably why a lot of people have this hate over Amari Rogers and certain players like that because they remember certain key aspects of games where it really really hurt us. And you know, uh, real quick, then again, injuries. Eric Stokes left in the first quarter with a knee injury. Kenny Clark had to be helped off the field, and then John Running had to uh, leave because of an illness. But other than that, we stayed pretty healthy. And I mean, again, it's one Jordan Love. I nobody can tell what this guy is. It's so frustrating because it's just it, I don't know what he is. I, I have no opinion yet. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm with you, dude. And basically, what it boils down to for me is this was the second best team in the AFC. Yeah, we lost by one score with Jordan Love at quarterback. And when I watched the game, I felt like Jordan played pretty well. And I know why now, because he hit seven different receivers. He was yep. moving the ball around really, really well. He he ran, uh, you know, a few times, ran five times for 23 yards. And uh, but, you know, again, that's why I love PFF is because every single play is graded. The placement of the ball was graded, all these things. And it really shows you he did struggle. But at the same time, they should have won this ball game. It had nothing yeah. to do with Jordan. Yes, we want the interception back from Jordan Love. And, you know, when it comes to the fumbles, uh, like you said, we actually had three fumbles in this game. Malik Taylor, yeah. Jordan Love, and Amari Rogers. Now, the only one we lost was Malik Taylor's. But you couple that with the interception and the uh, and the fact that the uh, the Kansas City Chiefs did not turn the ball over one time, that's your difference in the ball game. I'm telling you, turnover differential and that middle eight. With them winning the middle eight six to nothing and winning that turnover differential two to nothing, that was the difference in this ball game, in my yeah. opinion. Um, now, as far as the rushing attack, you know, we said the run blocking was one of the positive aspects according to PFF, and it kind of shows in the stat column. Uh, Aaron Jones had twelve carries for fifty three yards. He averaged four point four yards a carry. AJ Dillon eight carries for forty six yards. He averaged almost six yards a carry. Yeah. And of course, Jordan Love with the four point six off five carries for twenty three yards. So. <laughs> Um, yeah, man, I, I, I came away from this game a lot more encouraged, to be honest with you. I didn't come away going, oh, my God, we'll never be able to win with Jordan Love. I thought that he looked calm in the pocket. I thought he looked calm in the huddle. I thought he handled it as well as you could off a short week. And, again, his teammates just didn't rise to the occasion and help him out. And in that case, they did that for Aaron early on. There was big play after big play. I remember when Aaron threw that pick in the Chicago Bears uh, NFC Championship, Brian Erlacher, and he had to tackle him. I don't know if you remember that. There oh, were yeah. times early in Aaron's career where he wasn't the one with the team on his shoulders, and there were right. people that stepped up around him, and that's what we uh, we wanted to see there in that game. But, again, man, that's a tough place to play, Jake, on the road in Kansas City, dude. I was going to say, that's the loudest, I think, outdoor stadium that there is. I mean, for yeah. him to step in there and, and do decent, and he got better as the game progressed, which I think is something that we should think about. I completely agree with that, too. It was like when we came into the second half, they're getting late in the third, early in the fourth. I was going, we might win this. He's he's yeah. kind of heating up. He's looking comfortable. And the balls he were throwing was throwing looked looked great to me. I thought I thought he had he had great. You know, he threw a, a live ball. I thought that the placement was, you know, could have been better at times. But again, it was just like we've got something. There's there's a bag of tools there. And I guarantee you that if he had an opportunity to train as the number one quarterback for an extended period of time, his game would, would up tremendously. Yeah. And the last thing real quick is like you said, that last drive that we had, you had seven straight passes after back-to-back incompletions, love through a pass towards Adams. And it was picked off basically near the goal line, the Kansas city goal line by luxurious Sneed. So we were there, man, we were knocking on their door. We were, that's why that, I remember now, you know, obviously going back, it, it was heartbreaking because of the fact that if you erase just the special teams play, let alone that last interception, I mean, we we should have walked away with this win. Right, and it's why 
so many coaches get made fun of like Bill Belichick, the great Bill Belichick. All he says is offense, defense, and special teams. Offense, defense, and special It matters, man. It truly matters. I'm so excited about having Coach Passaccia on the uh, on the staff this year. So yes. let's move on to Seattle here, man. Let's get that, that taste out of our mouth. Yeah. This was the game that I was at. This was week 10 uh, at Lambeau Field, the Seattle Seahawks uh, game. And uh, the Packers come out 17 to nothing. Um, the middle eight. It was a push, zero to zero. Uh, Jacob, this game, man, the whole time as we got deeper into the second quarter and starting the third, I was like, oh, my gosh, this is this feels like like you could cut the tension with a knife. Any any the, the next play could spring this thing open big time. It was it was just a really, really cool experience as far as being at Lambeau for a game. The turnover differential was the difference. Once again, Green Bay won the turnover differential two to one. OK, so according to PFF. Um, the on the offensive side, uh, the pass blocking was excellent in this game. It was uh, actually an 80.9 borderline elite pass blocking grade for the Packers offensive line and, and uh, tight ends and backs. Uh, but the passing grade was fairly low. This was Aaron Rodgers coming off that COVID protocol. Obviously, he was catching yeah, yeah. so much heat from every angle. 44.5 was his passing grade. But then when you move to the defensive side of the ball, the defense showed up big time, an 86.4 elite defensive unit grade and uh, that was mainly in part from the coverage which was a 90.1 that was their best coverage grade all year long the run defense excuse me struggled just a bit at a 62 flat but uh overall man this was just one of those defensive ball games and it couldn't have been any better for me because i am the most boring football fan on the face of the earth i love a good defensive game that's just me i love hard hitting i love I love that every adjustment the offense tries to make, the defense seems to be one step ahead, and you can just tell that staff did their homework. I, I just love that stuff. I'm a football nerd like that. But what yeah. kind of stands out to you watching this from home? Well, right away, it's funny that you said that about being a defensive battle. A real quick little nugget here. It was Green Bay's 3 to nothing lead heading into the fourth quarter match, the second lowest score through three quarters of any NFL game since 2008. Dallas and Philly played against each other uh, – where it was scoreless through the third quarter ended up being Dallas won six to nothing, but that's, I, I didn't realize that that's insane. Um, another really quick little nugget. This was the first time that Seattle had been shut out in a decade, which is pretty impressive. Also, like you said, the defense showed up Whitney Preston and Gary all got a sack. I remember just being so jacked about that. <laughs> the fact that Whitney merciless, all of a sudden, you know, this guy, we signed off the street again, another goody pick shows up and I was so hurt that we couldn't get him back. But anyways, um, another thing was the, outrageous just you know i always talk about time of possession penalties all that so we doubled the time of possession we had 39 uh minutes to their 20 minutes we beat them in the turnover margin they had two we had one we beat them in the penalty margin i mean we just dominated this game is this the game correct me if i'm wrong that aj Dillon is that the snow game that we did that little picture was it still um, in that game where he was running through i, I can't remember if that was no the that was actually the titans game for that's me. right okay yeah. Yeah. Forgive me on that. But again, I, yeah, it was, it, it was a boring game to watch, but it ended up getting interesting as the game went on. And obviously, I mean, watching, you know, AJ Dillon only averaged 3.1. Jones only had 3.6. Rogers had four, you know, yards. He was our best average rusher. But uh, again, Devonte ends up with 11 targets. The next one is Aaron Jones with six. So, I mean, we did, it, it is interesting to see what we're going to do because if you start taking away all these targets for Devontae, there's just, there's so much, so many plays to spread around. It's so, I, I don't know who's number one guy is going to be, but there's going to be targets galore to be had. And I'm really excited to see who it's going to go to. Um, another thing that was kind of cool. This is when Jones got hurt. I don't know if you remember that. And this game, man, Jones looked like he was done. I thought Jones was done. I don't know if you remember this, but Gary, Remember, this is the game where he hurt his arm. And if you still to this day watch this replay, I don't understand how Gary didn't miss the rest of the season. It looks like his arm got just ripped apart. And I believe he only missed one game after that. And then uh, Merciless also had to have uh, to leave the game. And I believe this bicep injury was the one that ended up sidelining him for the season. But uh, when Jones went out, it was really cool because this was the first time that apparently he kind of tipped his hat to, to Dylan and said, like, you go in there. He had, he had a quote that said, yeah, uh, when he first exited the game, he looked at me and said, get the job done, finish it off, said Dylan. He's like my big brother on this team. I love him to death. So for him to believe in me, that trust was great. 
And like I said, I just wanted to finish it off for him and for the team. And we got it done as a team. And I just thought, man, that was like the first time that we really got a taste of Dylan, you know, without Jones. But I, I felt weirdly confident in that game, leaving that game. You know what I mean? It's like God knows that we don't want anything to happen to Jones, but just that insurance of knowing that AJ Dillon is a stud and he can come in here. And then real quick, I forgot about this. DK Metcalf, Metcalf got his butt ejected just about <laughs> a minute left in the game. I can't remember who, which player it was. It says that he grabbed a Packers player's face mask and like <laughs> did that whole thing, but uh, he got ejected. So have fun with that DK. Yeah. And from my perspective, man, we're in the indoor club seats where you and I are going to be sitting this year and they have the way they have it set up. You've, you've got access to TVs behind you, but they have Wayne Larravee and, uh, and the rock calling the game. The radio broadcast is being pumped into this room real loud. So you're hearing the, the live Packers uh, radio broadcast as you're watching the game right in front of you. And um, when we seen Gary, they showed it on the replay on the, on the jumbotron. It was like, Oh no, man. He, mm. I don't, I couldn't tell his shoulder tore or what it was. It, it looked, looked bad, man. It looked horrible. But the short time that he was in there, I mean, he had a sack and a tackle for a loss. He, he made an impact in the game. Yeah. Uh, obviously the, the one thing that did kind of stick out to me was uh, Malik Taylor had that one kickoff return for 32 yards. I don't know if you remember that. Yeah, uh, yeah. That was kind of a, <laughs> anytime you get above 20 on a kickoff return, from last year's special teams it was like oh wow this is amazing this is what this feels like anytime they don't fumble i'm like oh wow great play (laughs) exactly and the other thing being there at the at the stadium it happened in the end zone that we were sitting in there um a ball was picked off in the end zone and i remember thinking you know who was it who was it and we're all trying to figure out who it was and when they said you know interception by kevin king (laughs) i just remember being so shameful thinking i've bashed (laughs) this guy so much and it seems like every time that a play is needed on a game that I'm specifically watching this, this particular play, he always comes up for me. And yeah. I, it, it was, I felt so bad. I remember telling my wife, I was like, my God, maybe he's better than I'm giving him credit for, or, or it's just, I'm watching yeah. the TV or paying attention when he makes his only play. <laughs> right. Did but, we, is, are we going to, do we have a, uh, an option to sign him again or is he signed with someone else yet? Or are we, is that kind of still in limbo? Last I heard, he was still a free agent, which, you know, looking at the I, roster, I just I wouldn't know. mind. I wouldn't mind it. Given yeah. our fourth string cornerback. I mean, the guy at, at certain points, I, people forget that we loved Kevin King. Everybody loved him. And then we all hated him. And now it's just kind of like, like you said, we, we, I think we looked at him last year and thought, well, Kevin King is what Kevin King is, but he's sneaky, decent. I don't want to say he's good, but he's sneaky, decent. He has time. He can do what he's told to do. It's just, you know, he gets burned every now and then. We seem to remember those plays very, very vividly when he gets burned. Yeah, if he's willing to take close to the minimum on a one-year rental, dude, I'm all about him being our dime back. Totally yeah. all about it. But as far as, you know, uh, signing him to a significant contract, I just don't see how he would, uh, you know, it would make sense. I would rather roll that cap into next year given how we're uh, the, the roster is structured. It's, I think right. it all just comes down to he's probably asking – for more money than he's worth, but who knows, man, you get closer to training camp. It may happen. We'll start sweating. I think we'll, we'll yeah, see. Exactly. But what you said about AJ Dillon and we'll move on here um, was, uh, you know, he did, he, he, his average was only 3.1 yards per carry, but he scored two touchdowns and he had 21 carries. So he really shouldered the load there. Well, I mean, Patrick, yards after contact. I remember those, you know, he would, he'd hit people and fall forward and which I love about him. It's like what I loved about Eddie Lacy. You know, they, they rarely go backwards even after contact. Absolutely. And that's huge, man. It, it is. It's something that goes uh, goes underappreciated for sure. So, all right, let's move on and get this one out of the way. We're back yeah. on the road now, week 11 at the Vikings. Uh, the Packers dropped that game 34 to 31. Uh, the middle eight was a push seven to seven, and the turnover differential was a push zero to zero. You know, really the story of the game, like with the Seahawks game, the story of the game was definitely the Packers defense showed up big time. With this one, it was both teams protected the ball, and it created this gridlock. And it, the fact that there was, you know, what, seven or 65 total points scored and the ball wasn't turned over one time to the best yeah. of my knowledge, I mean, it really, really says a lot. So when you look at the PFF grades, the Packers offense was really great across the board. I mean, their offensive grade as a whole was an 83.4. Um, they're in the 70s all the way across the board. The receiving grade really, really stood out to me. It's it's almost like this receiving core wanted to wanted to step up 
And oh, yeah. uh, everybody was, you know, creating that buzz about Justin Jefferson being this this superstar in the making. They had an 83.0 uh, receiving grade, the Packers receiving core did. Now, when you hop over to defense, obviously, it was a rough day at the office, 55.0. Um, in the uh, in the you know as far as a PFF defensive grade overall, the big negative there for me was definitely the uh, definitely the coverage grade. You know the pass rush was good. The pass rush came in at eighty five point two, but the coverage grade was abysmal at forty five point one. So that's kind of how that game played out. It was a shootout. Both teams protected the football. Um, the the coverage really didn't show up at all for the Packers. The run blocking wasn't there for the Packers on offense. However, they had a uh, a great receiving grade, so the receivers showed up. It was just kind of that recipe for uh, taking the over if you were putting money on this game. But uh, how do you remember seeing this one here against the Vikings? And it was interesting because, the, like you said, the quarterbacks, they showed out, and so did the wide receivers. Rodgers was 23 for 33, 385, four touchdowns. Cousins had 24 for 35, uh, three touchdowns. Like you said, no interceptions, no fumbles. Both teams struggled a little bit to rush. Dalvin had 22 carries for 86 and a touchdown, which, you know, it's not bad. He only averaged 3.9, though, so we they definitely forced it a little bit. A.J. Dillon only had 11 for 53. No rushing touchdowns. Not having Aaron Jones in this game, I think, is the reason that we lost. And I know that's kind of a real simplistic way to say it, but you just look at what he does. I, this game really made me realize that we need A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones because they when they're both on the field and even when one's on the field and one's not, you, you don't know exactly what they're going to do. You'd think when it's Aaron Jones that he's going to be more of that scat back, but we've sh- they've shown that Jones can spread out and catch the ball. Dylan can spread out and catch the ball. They can do screens. They can do a lot of different things. And that keeps the, the defense guessing. And I think that Minnesota was just able to key on what we do and focus on trying to stop that. And even that being said, they really didn't have a lot of success stopping, you know, our receivers, uh, Marquez Valdez, Marquez Valdez Scandling had four receptions for 123 yards and a touchdown. He averaged 30.8 yards um, per reception, which is insane. But then again, Devonte ended up with seven receptions for 115. He had his two touchdowns. He kind of quietly, you know, ran that game. And then Justin Jefferson obviously had a day. He had eight receptions, 169 yards, two touchdowns. And uh, I mean, it's so hard watching Justin Jefferson because obviously there was rumors that we were in the hunt to try to get the guy. And it just, when they went from, uh, what is it? Stefan Diggs, they let him go. I'm like, okay, cool. Thank you. They got rid of the guy. <laughs> Vikings are a cancer organization. They had to leave. And then the next pick, boom, Justin Jefferson's like, come on. Um, so, you know, that's just how it is. And again, Zimmer, I thought this was hilarious. You know, we always talk about the heart attack pack. Um, Zimmer was quoted to say, you know how they say Sunday is fun day. It's not, not at all. And exhausted Zimmer said that after the game was decided, decided on the final snap for the sixth time in 10 games. And the Vikings who were five and five at the time were split that between winning three and losing three of all six of those games. So, I mean, that to be a Viking fan last season had to be just brutal. It had to just suck. Um, and then Rogers was quoted when he's talking about how the fact, you know, he, he didn't basically practice at all. Again, he had that toe injury. Everybody, like you said, is just riding him to the days long about him being, what's the word he used immunized instead of vaccinated. Uh, but he was quoted to go on and say, it's very, very painful. I got stepped on in the first half, which I remember, I think it was our own offensive lineman that maybe reactivated that one. And he said, and that kind of activated all the symptoms that I was having. Roger said, it's going to be another painful week next week. And then hopefully I can get healed up during the bye. So that was, you know, what was really cool about that was, uh, where was I looking? Yes. Yeah, Stokes got burned on a big long play that, Darnell Savage was just about to light Cousins up, and then they got the ball off, and and Stokes got burned on a real lar- long touchdown play. But on the very next play from scrimmage, that's where Rodgers threw the rainbow long bomb to Scalding. I believe it was yeah, seventy five yards. Which I remember watching that and just thinking, all right, here we go, we got this back. And then it just kind of dwindled out from there, and it just again, we didn't have. Um, I wouldn't say that Gary had a bad performance at all, but. He, oh no, Gary didn't even play that, that game. That's why. Um, but Preston, we didn't really have a lot of edge guys doing much of anything. So it just, we just, we just couldn't close. And I, and I mean, I don't know. Yeah. The Vikings at that point, I mean, we, we lost Elton in the fourth quarter. So I think they just had a little bit of an edge on us on that rush game. And for whatever reason, we just, it went into a shootout. And I, I, 
I don't know, man. I just, it's a tough game to look back at because there were so many opportunities that we should have capitalized on. So it's, that was a tough one. Yeah, definitely. And when we talked about the bad coverage grade, I mean, that shows up there. Uh, you know, something that we've talked about in the past, and it's pretty much common knowledge that the, this Joe Barry scheme, they like to run a lot of quarters. They like to run a lot of four deep with some mm-hmm. aggressiveness of the safeties being able to play some of the underneath routes, if indeed they uh, they read it correctly. But, you know, when you when you talk about Stokes giving up that big play and Savage hitting the quarterback, it, you know, it's a safety blitz. That's the gamble you take. Yep. Maybe they were just so frustrated at that point that somebody points were being scored we got to shake it up we got to try something different but um you know if you don't have that big play and you don't bring that safety blitz who knows and, and you couple that with this right here uh mason crosby in the first quarter this really really took some of the steam uh, out of the packers he missed a 32 yard field goal yeah. so obviously that would have been the difference in the score right there that would have sent it to overtime i know it's uh it's uh hindsight's 2020 you look back on the entire the game uh, from an entirety and you think, okay, yeah, uh, this uh, this probably didn't play that much of a role, but it really does, in my opinion. I mean, that kind of sets the tone there for the second quarter. And then, uh, obviously, like we said, um, you can't uh, you can't keep teams around like that. Um, you really, really can't. You're going to get burned. Just, if you I do. thought real quick, that was just kind of our theme last year. Is we would start a game great. What was that? I think our first and second quarters. It wasn't our second quarter like our quarter that we just rip people apart in or whatever. Yeah. But then we just could not close people out and it just drives me nuts like i i've watched teams you know over the years where they 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 go for the kill you know when they're up ahead they don't they don't let the gas off and whatever reason i feel like the packers just coast too much and that was the whole lafleur thing right wasn't that a theme all grat all gas no you know what break so yeah i think we maybe need to reiterate that a little bit because i'm just sick of getting ahead and then let's coast no let's just drive them down man let's embarrass them i want to see that Right. And here's the thing. I'm a Packer, you know, I'm a Packer, uh, Packer fan through and through. I'm going to be biased, but I mean, you're playing, you're playing in that crappy dome up there. Right. And the Packers get called for eight penalties. The Vikings only get called for three. There's yeah. a lot of things that went against the Packers here. A missed field goal, a missed chip shot field goal, in my opinion. Yes. Um, you know, you, you've got five more penalties than the other team. Uh, you know, you're, you're getting burned on a deep play, uh, blitzing a safety. There's just kind of this recipe for, exactly what we got with a 34 to 31 loss. So uh, good mm-hmm. stuff, man. All right. We got that behind us. That was tough. <laughs> I, I didn't want to admit it. My, my boss is a Vikings fan and I told him I'd have to recap this game. And he's like, Oh, listen to this episode. Oh, man. <laughs> Shout out to the boss, man. You're the best <laughs> boss in the world, dude. And I'm going to tell you right now, <laughs> nobody's going to be mad at you. If you give Jacob a nice little raise, I'm just going to put that out there. So uh, anyway, <laughs> I'll Jacob, send this you, one to him then. <laughs> you, you can give me a small cut of that too. If you don't. Deal. All right, let's move on to week 12, the Rams. This was a, a nice little win uh, against a team that will go on to uh, obviously uh, win the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Uh, Packers come out 36-28 in this one. When you look at the middle eight, it was a push 7-7, seven to seven, and Green Bay absolutely dominated the turnover differential column at 3-1. to one. So, again, Jacob, we are 100% success in predicting the outcome of the game with these two parameters, middle eight and turnover differential. Um, now, the thing that stands out to me as far as PFF, uh, when it comes to, uh, uh, you know, how this one played out. The Packers had a, a great passing grade uh, in this game. Um, their passing grade ended up being at 83.6, so Aaron got back on track. I, I like to think that the reason he did was because o- OBJ was on the other side and he chose the Rams over him, and he said, all right, hmm. I'm going to show you what you're missing That's here. That's right. <laughs> and then, but what's crazy is his passing grade was at 83.6, but the pass blocking grade for the offensive line was a 46.0. So, I mean, that was just all Aaron Rodgers putting the putting the team on his back. And then on defense, uh, you had an overall grade of 67.6. The thing that stands out to me is the tackling grade. Um, at a 71.8, but the rush defense was uh, was pretty bad there, uh, stopping the run at a 56.0. But at the same time, um, you know, they came out on top 36-28. How did you see this one, man? Yeah, again, I go back to the my little formula, kind of like what you do with the middle eight. Time of possession, again, we doubled their time of possession. Um, we had obviously won the turnover differential. We had one, they had three. We won the penalty uh, differential there, the red zone. We did everything just really well in this game. And it's interesting because like you said, obviously the, uh, Rams went on to win the Super Bowl after we beat them. This was their third straight loss. A lot of people don't remember that. So whenever you're in the middle of the season and you start getting real down, the Packers also have never lost 
consecutive back-to-back games, which going into this game, we had to worry about that. And the fact that the Rams had dropped three in a row now and then go on to win the Super Bowl, we just need to maybe pump the brakes with all this uh, internal Packer hate that we seem to really fester here. But um, another thing that, like you said, it was just a Rodgers was sharp, real sharp. And it was really great to watch him kind of, yeah, get back on track. Another cool little nugget. Where was that? Yeah. Rogers talking about how, again, he basically could not practice for a bulk of this year just because of that toe. So, uh, you know, touch and go. He said, it's definitely isn't the ideal situation not to practice, but if I can go out there, take mental reps, go through the plan and my preparation and feel good about what I'm doing, that when I go, when I go out there, I've just got to go in and rely on my instincts. The beauty is it's an 11 person aside game. And I really feel the offensive line allowed me to just settle in. And another thing, again, they don't, they don't finish the way that I'd like them to. The Rams outscored Green Bay 11 to nothing in the fourth quarter. And they almost came back with a pretty good comeback attempt, unless if it not were for Adrian Amos recovering the onside kick with only 17 seconds left. I mean, they definitely had the momentum. And again, like I said, we have never lost the game back to back under Matt LaFleur's tenure. So I really, really was obviously happy that we were able to pull that one out. Razul Douglas, again, this is where I made myself a Razul Douglas fan. He intercepted a ball uh, right in front of Cooper Cup, returned it 33 yards for an interception return. I think he was even quoted after the game saying something smart. <laughs> He's like, Cooper Cup, ain't that the guy that has like 10,000 yards or whatever? Like, oh yeah, I remember him kind of thing. And so that was great. It was just funny. Rashawn Gary uh, got back, which was again, unbelievable. He had his arm all bandaged up like he was Mega Man or something like that. It, it, it was just so wonderful to see him back on the field. Preston Smith, I believe, yeah, caused a fumble that, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. Preston Smith recovered a fumble that I believe Gary forced. And it was just, like I said, so great to see them back together again and see the defense kicking butt. And then we uh, were honoring Charles Woodson at halftime, which I just thought was such a cool little thing that Rizul Douglas, maybe like at halftime, you know, seeing Charles Woodson get inducted in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Obviously, he's a Packer Hall of Famer, and I think that maybe just gave him a little bit of a spark. And to see him then get that touchdown return for uh, or that interception return for a touchdown, that's just got to feel awesome if I'm Russell Douglas. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, one of the things that stands out to me here as we wrap this up, as we're running short on time, um, was uh, Randall Cobb, four catches for 95 yards and a touchdown. And uh, I think this was the game they put him back to return a punt and he muffed it. And then they just took him right back, <laughs> if I remember right. But as far as receiving, though, I mean, look at this, guys. Uh, Devontae Adams was targeted nine times. He had eight catches for 104. Cobb only had four catches for 95 yards and a touchdown. Targeted five, though. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, – yeah, just targeted five times there. So, uh, MVS, obviously, uh, nine targets, only four catches. I'm telling you, man, Aaron and MVS never had that chemistry. They just never had it, yeah. especially those long shots. And that's Did what you, you listen uh, – I was listening to Sam Sam Holman's podcast, Wisconsin Sports Heroics. He had Dusty Evely on, and they were literally – Dusty was talking about how it wasn't necessarily that they couldn't match each other. His opinion was that MVS could not track – Aaron's ball over his shoulder to save his life. And I, it, it kind of looks like that because they're both good at what they do. You can't argue that MVS isn't fast and can catch a ball. You can't argue that Aaron Rodgers is one of the most, you know, pinpoint passers in NFL history. I don't know why they couldn't figure out how to get on the same page, but they just didn't. And it's, I'm a little nervous to be honest, because I think MVS could show out real big in Kansas city. I mean, if Mahomes and him, for whatever reason, get that connection that, that, that Rodgers couldn't, I think he could be a real big deep threat in that offense. But we'll see. Yeah, I think so, too. He's definitely got the tools in the bag. It's just uh, he couldn't put it together. Now, is he worth $10 million a year? I'm nah. They know. Nah. <laughs> but at the same time, man, when Tariq Hill, they knew what was going on behind the scenes there. They had to overpay to make sure that they got somebody who could stretch the field because, obviously, that was a big, big role in uh, Andy Reid's offense there as he's yep. adapted um, yeah, so good stuff, dude, man. I think we nailed it. I really, really appreciate your time. Uh, obviously, we're running a little short on time here, so we're going to go ahead and end this segment. But as always, Jacob, dude, you bring you bring the thunder when you jump on the show, man. We really appreciate it. Yep. Thanks, sir. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Take care. All right. Before we wrap the show up here, guys, I just want to <laughs> mention something. It was kind of funny. It happened to me on Twitter. I got a, a DM from at Mac and uh, he's a guy who listens to the show uh, quite often. He, he's always uh, messaging me on Twitter. We just had some great conversations. Uh, obviously a huge Packer fan. But he sends me a, a screenshot or a tweet 
Um, that's by at hog NFL. It says happy Mount Rushmore season. Give me, give me the four green Bay Packers that you would have represent the team. My Packers Mount Rushmore is Vince Lombardi, Bart Starr, Brett Favre, and Aaron Rodgers. Um, it's funny. He sent that to me and I sent him back a gif of Clint Eastwood just looking disgusted. Cause I thought, well, he listened to the show and he heard the episode where I made fun of Mount Rushmore's, right? Cause that seems to be one of the themes this time of year. It's, it's the only bad part about the downtime. Uh, for the NFL season, the podcast turned into what's your favorite food? What's your, uh, you know, what's your Mount Rushmore of this? What's it just, it's so much filler. And as a Packer fan, I always found myself going, there's a lot of other things we could talk about in this downtime and, and kind of get a better understanding of, of where the team is financially or maybe the structure, or even talk about some history. That's kind of what provoked, you know, uh, this show uh, in my mind anyway. So, uh, it's funny, I responded with that, and then he said, sorry, I was asking for your four. It's hard to include a player into the four while listening to your history sessions. And I put, you know, ha-ha, I laughed. I said, uh, I thought you were referring to when I said I'm not going to waste air time doing Mount Rushmore's when we could all learn something about the team, LOL. With that being said, here's mine. <laughs> so this guy sucks me into doing it, and what I ended up doing was screenshotting the conversation and tweeting it out going, uh, you guys can thank at MacBurgie for tricking me into doing a Mount Rushmore, right, for the show. So might as well mention it here, okay? Um, he said, haha, I didn't think of that at the time, but now that you bring it up, I remember that pod. That's too good, laughing emoji. And uh, pretty cool, man. So here is my Mount Rushmore. I'm going to say this, and then we're going to sign off. I'm sure it'll get criticized, and that's totally cool. seems like everybody's Mount Rushmore gets criticized when you're talking about a team that's been around for over 100 years, right? But mine is definitely Curly Lambeau, Vince Lombardi, George Calhoun, and Don Hudson. Okay, those are my four. Without Curly Lambeau and, and George Calhoun, there would be no team. More, Really, more importantly, George Calhoun, there would not be a Green Bay Packers team without George Calhoun. It was essentially his idea. Without Curly Lambeau, you don't have the early success that kept him in the small town of Green Bay. Um, not necessarily as a player, but mainly as a coach. One of the most successful coaches in the history of the National Football League. Vince Lombardi goes without saying. I mean, the guy's name is on the trophy for the Super Bowl victor every year, right? He's a guy who came in to a team that was horrible um, and uh, and using all the information that Jack Venisi uh, provided and the roster that he had laid the foundation for. Vince Lombardi brought in that, that very stern approach to coaching and turned uh, a mediocre, really a horrible team, a bottom three team, and uh, and converted them into a powerhouse that would go on to be the one of the first dynasties in the history of the NFL. And then obviously Don Hudson. If you guys don't know about Don Hudson, you've just been hearing the name. Uh, go back and listen to our episode that we did on Don Hudson, or just take some time, do some research online. It is truly remarkable what he did uh, during a period that was was mainly rush only uh, kind of uh, kind of NFL, and how Curly utilized him in the passing game. Uh, one other thing that goes very very unnoticed is just how much of a role Don Hudson played on defense and the threat he was to intercept the ball, and as a DB, one of the best to ever play the game. So I just thought that'd be cool to mention as we sign off here. Obviously, we did our our weeks 9 through 12 recap and kind of give you guys a refresher on what happened last year. That was kind of a rough patch, you know, losing two of those four, uh, both of those losses coming on the road. And Jordan Love's uh, very first start as a Green Bay Packer on the road against the Kansas City Chiefs. And, uh, yeah, so just wanted to kind of kind of recap all of that. I think it was a pretty good episode. Hopefully you guys enjoyed it. Now, next week we're going to jump in on, on next Sunday's episode. We're going to start with uh, week 13. We'll go 13, 14, 15, and 16. And then the following week we'll wrap it up with uh, with those final two weeks of the season as well as the, uh, the playoff game there against the 49ers. And what's cool is that will carry us through – I believe uh, the second week in July, then training camp launches the next week, and we're going to go into our new format, which I'm really excited about, guys. Just so you understand, on a normal uh, a normal game week, right, where the game is played on Sunday, here's going to be the format for Packers Total Access stepping into season, and I am absolutely jacked about this. So let's say there's a, a, a game on Sunday, right? Let's say it's a 1 o'clock kickoff. Um, the Sunday episode will be recorded immediately following the game where in, in most cases, I'm hoping every episode Jacob can join me, there's going to be a Packernet podcast post-game show. That's right. So you guys are going to have a post-game podcast for every single Green Bay Packers game this coming year, this coming season. The reason I'm doing that, it's one of the things that irked me the most looking for podcasts, um, you know, uh, after a game, like on Monday morning. And there was just so few 
post-game shows, I think there was only one that I found that was actually listenable. I mean, it really was. Now, I loved Ryan's recap on Monday morning. That was great. But what we're going to try to do is jump into a post-game show immediately following the game. Now, it's also going to be recorded in a sense that we should be able to have other guests on if indeed they want to join us. Now, I'm not talking about live call-in. I wish we could do that. However, we'll have a Twitter feed going where we can monitor it, and anything you guys have as far as questions and things like that, we'll read it live on the post-game show as we recap what happened during that game. Okay, So the next episode will be Tuesday afternoon with this new format. Tuesday afternoon show is going to be great because you're going to get injury updates, you're going to get league news, things like that. You'll probably have Aaron Rodgers Tuesdays on the Pat McAfee show, so we'll get a little insight there if there's any kind of nuggets there. Um, it seems like that's calmed down quite a bit, uh, quite a bit, but that'll still be a, a really cool kind of newsy show on Tuesday, uh, along with most likely a history segment every Tuesday, okay? So then the next show would be on Thursday afternoons. What we're going to do on Thursday afternoons is hit on any news real quick, and then we're going to preview the opponent coming up. So it's almost like Jacob and I, um, if he indeed can join me, if not, I'll be doing it by myself. We're going to kind of do a scouting report for the team coming up and talk about what some of the keys to victory will be. We'll also be able to talk about, you know, the injury news, uh, any injury information that we have there on Thursday afternoon. We'll kind of give updates on that. So it's going to set the stage for you going into the weekend and getting ready for game day. Now, obviously, if the game is played on a different day, that format's going to flip for that particular week. For instance, um, if it's a, a Monday night football game, then we'll be doing the post-game show on Monday night after the game, so there won't be a Sunday show, most likely. Okay, We may still do a Tuesday show, but that format might move to, say, a Wednesday. Um, we'll probably try to keep that on Tuesday as much as possible. And then the uh, uh, upcoming you know, preview of the next game should still be on Thursday. So that week will probably look like post-game show on Monday. We may still do a show on Sunday if Ryan's cool with it. But for the most part, post-game show on Monday, you'll have the Tuesday News and Notes show, you'll have the Thursday show preview in the next opponent, opponent, and then we're off and running, okay? Um, obviously, whatever the game day is, we want to make sure we're doing a post-game show. This new format is geared completely around um, making that the top priority, that we want to have a Packernet podcast post-game show, and we're absolutely excited about it. So, guys, give us some feedback on what you think about that format and uh and let us know hey i'd like that i'd actually like to see this or have you thought about this idea um i'm not saying that we'll necessarily use it but we'll definitely take all feedback uh serious and who knows man we might stumble onto a message that you send us and go i didn't even think about that that would be a great idea and we'll kind of incorporate that into the show so with that being said we're going to wrap this big bear up really really appreciate you taking the time to hang out with us you could be anywhere in the world listening to anything and you choose to be here with us we don't take that lightly so as always Ways. Let's go out and be the change we want to see in the world and go pack go. Third down, is to go. Defeater. 17 to 14.